Welcome to the Age of Audio. My name's Graham Brown from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. The Age of Audio is a series of conversations with thought leaders and changemakers in the world of audio. That's podcasts, radio, and social audio, converging with big data to create engaging and authentic content for a new generation of listeners. I, I was listening to Bring Back the Bron Bring Back Bronco. I love that. I think it's I'm not a Bronco fan, but I am now. Well, I've been converted. So I've just really enjoyed that. But before we get to the really great stuff, let's go back to 2014, Steve. What was it like back then? Like before people even knew what podcasts were? Well, it's so funny because I so I actually did my first podcast in 2005. So it was almost like like starting Pacific content was going back to something that it felt like maybe it wasn't going to come back. And then it came back and we're like, oh, we know how to do this already. So I was working at Canada's public broadcaster, CBC, and I just had this brand new job with, with this almost like an innovation lab uh, in the audio space called CBC Radio 3. And they were preparing to launch a satellite radio station and they had these internet properties uh there were you know four or five different websites and one of them was almost like a youtube for canadian indie musicians where they could upload their music or myspace for canadian indie musicians where any anyone could make a page and upload their music as long as they owned all the rights to it and um the goal of this service was to kind of was to, to showcase new artists but also to grow new listeners who wouldn't listen to traditional radio and we had a, about a year to wait until satellite radio came online. And I started hearing this Adam Curry daily source code thing. And I was like, oh, this is fascinating. We have a website where everybody owns the rights to their own music. And they were talking about how to find pod safe music and this and that and the other thing. And we're like, well, why don't we try one of these things? And we have, there's all this amazing Canadian music. And uh, we put it out a few weeks before iTunes put podcasting in, in iTunes and launched it. And they featured our show because we were one of the only legal music podcasts in the world. And it just blew up. Like mm -hmm. it was, it was overnight, like this huge thing where people all over the world were listening to music from Canada, which is really counterintuitive. So I had a, like a very early passion for podcasting and seeing the impact that it can have when you do something really interesting that would not make for a good radio station in the, in the digital audio space. But then, you know, YouTube came along and Facebook mm. came along and podcasts kind of dipped and, and waned a little bit until Serial came out and Apple put the podcast app as a default in the phone. And I'd been thinking, you know, for quite a while around what my next career move was going to be. And I'd, I'd seen just a lot of really interesting stuff with companies like Red Bull thinking and acting like media companies and mm. making all this amazing video content of extreme sports and, and outdoor adventure stuff that was actually making it onto television stations because it was so good. And when podcasting came out, we were like, boy, there's, it'd be really interesting to see whether there are brands that would like to think and act like media companies and make amazing shows and build up giant audiences because they have the budgets to be able to do that stuff. And they've got the marketing channels to be able to let a lot of people know about it. 
And so we kind of took this stab and went and we had a connection at Slack and we pitched Slack and we had two meetings and they said yes. And we were like, oh, I, I guess we're a branded podcast company now. <laughs> and we and we figured it out with them in you know a couple months. Uh, and they were amazing, amazing partners to figure it out with. And I think because it was such an unusual thing, it got a fair bit of press and it was a, it was a fun show mm. and it, it did really well. Um, there's one headline, I think it was from Forbes, where the, I think the headline was um, Slack is making a podcast, comma, for some reason. And I was like, this is the best. It's the best press you could get. It's like, why is Slack doing this? Right. And uh, and people would go in and listen to it and be really delighted that it was not a show about Slack. Exactly. Um, I remember yes, that. Yeah. 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 It was about more just everything around that, that Slack was kind of almost like, you know, it was like the Red Bull style. It was the ticket that got people there rather than the actual story, right? Yeah, it was, it was, it was a really fun little magazine show that, that was, you know, partly about where the future of work is going, partly around where people have found their passion in their careers and, and kind of being their best selves in their jobs. And part of it, there was some lighthearted, fun things poking at the pain points of modern work hmm. um, of almost like we understand work isn't this ridiculous sort of thing. And uh, the the mix of those things was a, a pretty fast paced, fun show. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. I love that show. I mean, you know, the fact that it wasn't so what could have been so obviously done as a corporate pitch it would have turned people off that, you know, th there's so many people go into podcasts now and say, mm, this is what we want to talk about. And it's like, well, like you, you come from the world of media and ra you understand radio and you understand this idea that actually it starts with what does the listener want to hear? What's their pain points? What's their frustrations? And you, when I look at all the content that you've done, there's a real um, awareness of that, that this isn't about what do we want to talk about? It's, I will get to that point and understand your brand and your people and your products when first you understand me, the listener, what I'm interested in, right? And that must be hard, isn't it? That when you, you have brands come to you and they're like, okay, we have a new product, Steve, sell our printers. <laughs> How do you take something like that and then turn it into content? Well, it's interesting. I, I think it, so you nailed it. First of all, like a hundred percent, it is a listener first medium. And I, and I think, it, you know, when a big part of our job, especially very early on is explaining the medium and making sure people understand mm. how it works. One of the most obvious things is it is a voluntary subscription. You can't buy listens. It is not really about impressions. Like you, you have to get people interested enough in the concept of a show to try it, which is a big hurdle. And then it has to be so good that they want to subscribe and keep listening on an ongoing basis. And, and if, if you make something that is that good, there's enormous benefits to be had to be able to get a half hour of full engagement, you know, an 80, mm. 90, 95% completion rate over and over and over again at a half hour show. You, you literally can't get that in any other medium. And when they understand the opportunity there, you're like, okay, but it's a very high bar to get that. It's not about you. It, it's about what's the gift that you can give to the listener. What's what's the show that that's the only show that you're the only person that can make it, but that's really serving the listener and creating huge value for them. You know, would you listen to this show if you didn't work here? Mm. Um, you know, so there's a, there's a lot of questions you can you can ask in a 
in a, in a strategy phase or a program development phase, uh, a phase, sorry, to get people to think like a listener and to think about their own lives as a regular consumer outside of a, a marketing department or a branding department. And that usually turns on a lot of lights pretty quickly, or it, or it tells people, maybe you should make a podcast because it's, it's probably not going to be something more than a, f- you know, it, it might be the sort of thing that you get a lot of people to listen to the first episode and they never come back. Hmm. Yeah, that is good advice. Let's put that in the context of Bronco, Ford. Like, okay, so let's sort of put that out there. Let's talk about some of maybe the, the, the content in there. I love the episode, the OJ Simpson one, where they're talking about the, and then there's a bit, there's a cameo of Ted Bundy's car in there as well. There's a museum, isn't there, of all these cars. And they, they bring out the OJ Simpson one and the chase, that car, that Bronco. You know, when I was listening to that, a number of things struck me. Firstly, how good the storytelling was. And you know, credit to your team putting that together. We have a really good team. I, I, I take zero credit for that at all. We just have a phenomenal team of, of storytellers. So I'm, I'm very lucky in that regard. Oh, yeah. And the, honestly, and Ford and their agency, GTB, were amazing to work with also. So the, you know, the chief creative officer, communications officer uh, at Ford is a former journalist. And hmm. he was very clear, like, I want to make a real show. Like, I want to make a documentary. I do not want to make a puff piece of marketing or a brochure because no one will listen to it. And when you get a chance to work with really smart mm. executives and marketing leaders who, who, who think that progressively, it, it's just a treat because it, it, it opens the door to doing much more creatively brave treatments and to be able to lean into what the real story is. Like I, it was interesting because I know they talked to a number of different uh, companies for who might produce the Bronco show and we were pretty, pretty honest and said, like, you, you have to talk about OJ. Like, you have to talk about mm. OJ. I, I don't know this, but I, I'm not sure how many other companies lean into saying, like, you need to talk about OJ. And I think that that might have been one of the things of saying, like, this is actually what's going to get people to listen to it. This is actually what's going to make it a real show. And if you don't talk about that, it's not going to feel like a real documentary. Mm. And they they leaned into all sorts of different really tough things about their story they were, they were like we want to tell the real story like we want to tell a journalistic uh journalistically sound in, show with integrity and tell the real story and as a company like ours that's that's the dream and, mm. and it's paid off so well for them as well like it's it's a win-win for everybody yeah because you would you would imagine that nine times out of ten they would have glossed over that that episode oj simpson it's not very good branding in the traditional sense, is it? But, but it's a great story. It is. It's, it's yeah, a absolutely. great story, and it's true. I like it, you know. And it's not. We, there was certainly not a sensational treatment of it, uh, but it's a really interesting story. And it, it, you know, there's another really unusual thing about the Ford podcast is most clients that we talk to, the idea of like what is the brand's presence in the podcast. Mm. Usually the answer is that it should be really light. Like it, you know, and, and usually the analogy we would give is like, you know, think about a media company. You know, if if it, if I take Game of Thrones, we know HBO makes Game of Thrones, but there's no HBO executives in Game of Thrones trying to sell you HBO subscriptions. There's no mm. product mentions of HBO and Game of Thrones. It's like it's a great show. We know who made it. And for most brands, I think that's the right approach is have a really light brand touch and be the mm. media company, not the show. But in the case of Ford, the the Bronco is such an iconic vehicle and it has such like a legitimately amazing story behind it 
that we almost went against our, our own best practices and said like, no, this is the one exception. Like you should really lean in. It, it, it has the name. It's called bring back Bronco. The whole thing is literally about the product. Um, mm. And it, but I wouldn't say that that's the right strategy for everybody. Mm. But the product has stories. That's the point, yeah. isn't it? You know, printers yeah. don't necessarily have stories or, you know, that's the point is that there are these kind of iconic cultural narratives around Bronco and it's an iconic uh, American symbol as well. You know, it symbolizes a way of life and, you know, subcultures and movies and all of that built around it as well. So to put it in the background would have been to missing the actual main story. Right. Yeah. I think it's a wonderful work of, you know, um, both journalism and content as well. There's that mix, isn't there? That it, it's rare, isn't it? To get a, a client, who has that kind of bravery as well. And you know, like, like he said, you know, not to be a puff piece of marketing, you know, that's refreshing to hear that. And I wish every client was like that and realistically as well. We can't expect them to all be taking those kind of risks. Right. Well, you know, what's really interesting is I, I, I do think there is a job for everybody in the podcast industry. If they're working with clients to push them to be more and more creatively brave, Mm. And, and everybody's going to have a different, you know, a different zone of, of comfort with that. But the more that you make a show for an audience and the less that you're making a piece of marketing about yourself, the better you're going to get. And, the and you know, the better you're going to get at finding success for your podcast, the better you're going to find success at building relationships with p potential customers, mm. at meeting your business goals. And the better experience people are going to have in podcasting. Like I, I know when, when we, I think we feel a pretty heavy responsibility that when people come to work with us, that they leave not just having a great experience with us as, as a company, but just a great experience in podcasting, you know, a renewal or a second season or another show or those sorts of things. Those are the benchmarks that we really care about because that's building an amazing industry and saying like, we, you know, when people think about producing shows as a a brand it is a double high bar because it's you know you have to differentiate yourself among two million podcasts but people will also be suspicious like is this a piece of marketing is it an infomercial and audio so it has to be almost like extra good to pass that mm. bar as well and um we don't really want people coming in and making a podcast saying like oh nobody listened it's it's not an interesting medium and it's like it's an exceptionally powerful medium with exceptional you know offerings to brands when you think about values and the things that you can talk about and and what lends itself to great storytelling top of funnel you know kind of brand marketing is very very well suited to saying like we can tell great stories hmm. that are going to be of interest to an audience and it's not about us and it's a great a great fit for doing that and in audio we can paint pictures in people's minds we can use sound design to make them feel things and we can get a lot of time with them to explain complicated ideas or to tell really powerful intricate stories like it's it's a phenomenal phenomenal medium i just i think we need to help make sure that everybody who comes in understands that and, and that it's worth doing a better show or a higher quality show or fewer episodes that are better instead of the kind of the thing that might be the quick and easy thing, which is maybe what some of the perception is, is mm. we'll just hang out with our friends and chat and publish it and hope we turn into Joe Rogan. 
Yeah, there are millions of those guys. I mean, I was one of those guys as well. So I think we kind of all got our starts thinking that. Yeah, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, right? No. Like, like it, but it's. A, I guess it's a question of like, are, what are you doing it for? Like, is it a hobby, or yeah. am I trying to actually have a big impact? Yeah, you know, on the world, or is there a change or, I'm trying to yeah. make? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great advice. You know, I, I think about now, like um, where we are in podcasting, and. You know, Years ago, I mean, I'm sort of pushing a few years towards the big five zero. I'm nearly there. So you know, when me, I started, me too. Out, oh, Next yeah. year, uh, yeah, so yeah, <laughs> that's right. Long, it's very similar new, vintage. It's the new thirty, Steve. Apparently, <laughs> so there we go. Uh, my first ever business was selling websites back in the mid to late nineties, and I remember going to one client, and they said, um, "Yeah, we have this brochure. What I want you to do is scan this brochure and." Um, upload it to the website and so we obviously we were, we were young and like wanting of money so we took the job created this website and then called it brochureware and i think the thing is, is actually it was a thing there were like people doing this they were going around getting you know like like retail stores and these big offices and scanning all their brochures and put them online i'm like wow there's a lot of money in this stuff and people were like yeah no Go and have a look at our website. Our brochures there, and it was just like a scanned menu. Oh, and it just this had like is a, so funny. That's how we, it was, we actually right? we so uh, I I hope this is okay to say this, but like we actually use the term brochureware as saying like you don't want to make audio brochureware. That's there you not go. What podcasting's <laughs> for <laughs> so there you go. It's uh, that's right around full circle. It's, it is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, crazy that. But th that's how I feel, isn't it? I mean, you know, we've seen it all with new mediums is that they also adopt the old paradigm, don't they? And, it's easy, but yeah, it doesn't sort of stretch what, what's possible, right? I love that stretch what's possible phrase mm. you just used. Like, I, I love that. Like, that, that's honestly, that is why I think I could speak for most people in our company. Like, that's why we get up in the morning to do this is, is it's a brand new medium, relatively speaking. Like, I, I, I already said it was 2005 or whatever. It's a, the rules haven't been invented yet. Like, there's still there's still so much blue ocean out there to explore. And the ability to kind of make the industry that you want and to make the medium as flexible and creative as you want and stretching the possible, like, that's super exciting, you know, for us as a company. But I think it's really, really exciting for all the clients that we work with, too. For most of them, it's really fun making a show. Like it's the best mm. thing they've done in their career. Like, yeah, that, that's why we all do it too. It's it's really it's really fun. So I I anyways I I just as soon as you said that I'm like yes that's fabulous. I love that. Yeah, no, it's good, and I get, I get the energy as well. I feel it in terms of your work. I guess now we need to think about moving forward. Is that the the problem, if you like, of of opening this up, democratizing the medium, and making it possible and giving everybody a voice is that the the onus that the challenge has shifted from production um to promotion in the sense that now it's getting easier to produce so any any guy i mean obviously to kind of produce your standard of work is not easy by any shot but for a guy to do you know man speaks to man about man's journey type podcast you you, you don't even need a microphone to do that now and you know, so that that's been completely democratized, and the number of podcasts as well are a testament to that, right? So now we have this situation where we have, 
you know, more competition for the attention of the user, of the listener, right? And now people are sort of seeing, and I'm seeing this like across the board, across the board, is that the top podcasts are getting more and the bottom podcasts are getting less. So there's sort of polarization. As you see in all media, it consolidates as well because the top guys can, you know, they, they amass their resources and knowledge. And, you know, just like the old days, the record labels had access to the radio stations and the, the window displays of the old high street stores, right? So that's happening now. And now everybody's struggling with this promotion part. What, what sort of, what do you see the way forward there? Because, you know, to me, what I see, the vast majority of what people are doing for promotion is like two things. One is they do an audiogram and share it on social media. I'm thinking that that's not community building. <laughs> that's fine, but that doesn't build a community. And the second one is, is the guest hustle. So they get a guest in, the guest comes, shares it. You know, Steve's fans come and listen to the podcast, but they don't give a crap about Bob's episode. They don't listen to that, right? And so all that gets lost. So there's this huge hole in the promotion. Um, well, there's a huge problem in promotion, right? What do you think is the way forward here? I guess, first of all, I would say thinking about the show itself is how are you differentiated and, and who are you trying to serve? And I, I think your point is very well taken that it's getting harder and harder to serve everybody. But podcasting is very, very, very effective at super serving niches. And I think we're seeing more and more opportunities to say, I'm not going to be the daily and I'm not going to be Joe Rogan, or I'm not going to be serial. I'm going to pick the one thing that I really want to own or the thing I'm passionate about, or the thing where I see there aren't shows in this vein or this style for that audience and go after it. I think that's a really smart strategy. And you know, even within certain categories, thinking about what's the show that doesn't exist in that in that group of shows. And maybe it's a higher quality show. Maybe it's a narrative show. Maybe it's a game show. I, I, whatever that is, but like, you know, pushing the bravery on the format so that you're different than everybody else. Uh, I think that's part one. I, I'm trying to remember who said this. I feel like it was, it was a podcaster like Roman Mars might've said it, but you know, like the, um, so apologies if I butcher this, but it's, Somebody said like, oh, podcasts don't go viral. And it's like, they do. It's just really slowly. Hmm. Um, and that, because word of mouth happens. And, and I think within certain communities, if you make a show for that community, word of mouth does act very well for audience development if you're a great use of time and attention. Um, this is a big niche, but you know, we do a show with Red Hat, which is all about open source software. And we make a show with them called command line heroes. And I'd say when we first started working with them, I was like, I, I think it's an amazing opportunity to make a fantastic show for people who are interested in open source, but I don't know how many open source podcast listeners there are. Like, and it's a lot. It's like, it's a lot. And by trying to be a fantastic show, super serving a very specific target audience, it's, mm. I, I think it's a highly underrated strategy when we think about that sort of stuff. The second part, though, is the audience development is that if you're if you're going after open source web developers with your podcast, it's very obvious the places where you should go to promote your show. Other podcasts that deal with open source <laughs> software uh, topics like, you know, finding a match for subject matter mm. and a, a match for the type of listener that you're looking for, for people who are already listening to podcasts. Um, 
that's a a very very effective strategy and, and most podcasts people love the hosts and most hosts are willing to do host red ads and if you present them with a good show and whether there's some agreement for a you know a promo swap or a you know a feed drop or you're buying ads on their show or whatever it is if there's an opportunity for a host to say hey if you like my show I've got a great other show that you're going to like to listen to. I've listened to a couple episodes. They're fantastic. They're really well done. It's great storytelling, blah, 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 blah. Here, go have a listen to this. Or there's a link in the show notes or something like that. And then they put it out in their email newsletter. That drives pretty serious results. And they're exactly the right people. That's certainly one of the one of the key areas that we're spending a lot of time on seeing great results in. Mm. I, I will also say that, you know, the other piece that's amazing and getting better and better and better are all the attribution tools so things like chartable pod sites like they're they're all helping marketers figure out what's working and i I don't know that there's a one size fits all for every show but being able to do different experiments and measure what works Hmm. and adjust and iterate and iterate and iterate you learn what works and, and maybe stop wasting time on things that that don't work hmm. um, or can double down on the things that have the highest impact. So I, I think that we're going to see more and more, you know, s- strategic audience development based on measuring different strategies and, and doubling down on it. Mm. Yeah. I like this space. I like the way it's evolving because it, it's, you know, it, it's necessary and it follows a path, which has been validated if you like in, internet marketing that many of the tools that have made internet marketing like google analytics for example and seo have really helped people understand to your point like stop doing what doesn't works the classic example is creating a website and thinking there you go like let's wait for the traffic to come and then it's like you know crickets and tumbleweed nothing because that person and i've done this you know didn't build the website with Google in mind or didn't build the website with the audience in mind to your first point, right? What do they want? What are they searching for? What are the keywords they're using? Do they actually talk about what you have in those terms? And increasingly that's the case now, isn't it? With podcasts is that we have to think both audience and the platforms in mind because their organic traffic is the fire hose. If you like, if they so turn that on. You say that. Yeah, like like I work with this super smart guy Dan Meisner, who's just a real a treat on every level to work with, and I quote him all the time because he has all these great turns of phrases. But it's you know like even even doing things like what is the description for your show in mm. in your RSS feed, and what are your episode descriptions, and thinking about writing copy that is partly for humans and partly for machines, mm. and you're probably thinking about the humans about the first few sentences because that's what's above the fold in an app that the the humans need to read and say like is this a show for me but thinking about machines and making it easy for machines to find your show when people are searching for it is also super interesting um and thinking about everything from like what's your podcast art what's the name of your show uh what am i communicating and is it standing out in a sea of tiles All, all those things that i think maybe thought of primarily more on an editorial thing or actually also audience development mm. strategies and and thinking about audience development as you develop the show so that it is you're making a show that is going to be easier to market uh or is designed at every step of the way to make 
marketing or promotion effective, um, I think is maybe underrated. Mm, mm. Increasingly, it would become a thing, I'm sure that you know you're seeing it, I'm sure, and that you know, especially in North America, and with your vantage point on the podcast industry, it, it's only natural, isn't it, that that to the earlier point about you know the consolidation is that those with resources and access and knowledge will use it to say, okay, right, well, maybe we do the show like this as opposed to the B variant, you know, and that that's how they can you know, help build audiences for these brands as well, right? So I think, you know, it's interesting what's happening. Like you mentioned, for example, Chartable, the development of these tools as well. SEO, I feel, is where it's heading in terms of long-term. You, you, I like your point about, you know, writing for humans in Google. I think in SEO, like in the web, they talk about write for humans, design for Google. And that's kind of where we're going. And Google in our context is Spotify effectively or Apple, right? Is that you know because if they can get you into that that jet stream of organic traffic, you're winning, right? Because but it's interesting too. Like even Google, like yeah, like even right. Google, they have you know very very powerful um, speech to text AI, mm. and you know they've I've, they've been working on this for a number of years, but just having audio show up in search results in Google at the right time. And it, maybe it's when you're wearing headphones, maybe it's when you're on a smart speaker, maybe it's mm. when you're driving a car. Um, but if the best result at the time happens to be audio, they know what's in every podcast episode and are able to search and suggest episodes or you know potentially sections of episodes. I don't know, but it's all of that about being able to know what's in an episode feels like a big part of the future mm. of, of like audio SEO. Yeah brave new world i was speaking to todd um the founder of um blueberry Cochrane, yes, yeah, yeah, and he's yeah. an og like you he was around since 2005 <laughs> in the not one of these johnny come lately's so he was saying that um for the well, i was interviewing him for this and he said uh that google is the biggest dis discovery platform for podcasts and people don't even think about it because where do people go when they want to discover a podcast? They go into Google. Like people, like the, compared to the amount of people that go into Apple and Spotify and search, it's significantly higher, right? And you look at people like um, Neil Patel, he knows that. You know, he was, I saw him say something the other day that the SEO on a podcast is 13,000 times less competitive than on a website. You know, and he's like, he's all in on podcasts now. I think he does like 30 episodes a month. It's amazing. Podcast. So, yeah. you know, like these people are getting it and it's happening, you know, so you, you, I think you've got these two major factors. One is this, you know, the strategic audience development that you're talking about. And then you've got this really high quality content, the kind of stuff that you guys and Wondery and, you know, I guess Gimlet started, you know, that kind of work, that real understanding of the audience, real understanding of like narratives that keep us coming back as well. So, you know, it's an exciting time. Where do we go next from here, Steve? Like you've been in here so long that you can see the next hundred years in podcasting. What should we pay attention to at the moment? It, it's so funny. Like, I, I feel like I've been in it long enough that uh, maybe I don't know, but I feel you know, like I'm the wrong person to ask. My, my favorite kind of podcast strategy interview I heard was on the Andreessen Horowitz show, mm -hmm. the A16Z uh, podcast last 
last summer, I think, with a, uh, a guy named Gustav from Spotify, mm. who I think is their head innovation officer or something like that, or chief innovation officer or something. And he just changed a lot of my perception around where audio can go and all sorts of levels. So I think one look at, look at the success of TikTok mm. in the last few years and how easy it is for anybody to make a TikTok um, or to consume content on, on TikTok and how the creator tools are so easy. And yet making a podcast is still kind of hard. Mm. Like for, for most people to, to, to actually make a show and to submit it to directories and figure out an RSS feed and do all those sorts of things. Like, I think that's what anchor is doing for Spotify is, is like mm. the role of anchor is to be almost like the TikTok creator tools, like make it as easy as possible to make more and more and more creators out there. And then think about what are the benefits of like a Spotify ecosystem compared to a, po a podcast ecosystem. They're experimenting with mixing music and podcasts mm. and making almost like a radio equivalent. They're experimenting with the ability for anybody to kind of make their own music-based show as a playlist with host breaks in it. I'm very curious about what sort of creator first tools they decide to make. Mm. And I'll be very curious around what the conception of a podcast even is going forward. Like I, I almost feel like it's inevitable that we end up with short form mm. feeds the same way TikTok is in there. And what does that look like in audio? Is it people telling jokes or doing impressions or telling stories or doing short news reports? Like I have, I have no idea what that is, but I think that that's the, in some ways, I think that's the biggest lesson of, of platforms like TikTok or potentially Spotify, if if they make it a, a creator first platform is we're just going to provide the tools and then millions of users are going to figure out what it's for. Mm. And in a way it's, you know, the, the next level of democratization of, of the media or, or of audio all the way back in the beginning is like, it's very, very hard for anybody to get a radio license uh, or to be able to have the budget to have a mm. broadcast tower. And there's only a certain number of time slots in a day where somebody could be an on-air host and podcasting changed that to being like, it can be anybody, but it's still a lot of work to do that. And I think we're just going to see that kind of continuing to shift hmm. as a, as a creator first universe. And um, that's where I'm super excited. I, I just feel like there's going to be all sorts of stuff that we haven't even thought about yet. I like it. That very democratized future, very decentralized as well. There's some really interesting stuff in Asia. Obviously, China's a big factor, and it's a bit of a black box for the outsiders. Uh, there's, uh, I, I saw only last year we were looking at it. There was because some clients wanted to get into the Mandarin-speaking market. There was a platform called um, Li Ji, which basically means lychee, you know, the little fruit, and it was called like Li Ji FM. I'll, I'll ping you a link, and it basically it, it's really interesting. I mean, it was just all in Mandarin, so I can't read anything but you can get the idea of what it looks like and basically it's it's what you're talking about it's like a short um so but it's a lot of young people but they will have followers and so like a mix of tiktok and podcast so you, like you know steve will have his channel and he'll do like a 30 second every day you know like whilst he's sort of like you know getting up in the morning and doing his inspirational talks and then somebody will be doing like you know 30 minutes of, and then somebody do like a 40 second one it's all kind of random 
but it sort of evolved and it you know there's like the dating section people like oh i like his voice it's very sort of like manly and they have all these kind of comments on it it's really interesting just that sounds how super they, interesting i would love to see like, yeah that's yeah, amazing want, you, you need you need to like run it through google translate to stand a chance but that it's really interesting like what's happening and it's got you know hundreds of millions of users on it we know it's really funny when we like I, I think it was this past fall, uh, like the fall of 2020. Um, we have a, we have a really creative team, and we use Slack a lot, and we have a stand up channel, like where everybody just posts. Here's what I'm doing today, just bullets in there. And uh, one of our showrunners, Mio, just posted an audio file in there one day, and it was him saying like. I, you know, I'm committing to the media of audio. I'm going audio first. Uh, this is my audio stand up. And it just led to like a week of all these people one-upping one each other of this thing of like, here's what I'm doing today. And, it, you know, parodies and gags and music and sound effects and all sorts of crazy stuff. And we we're like, oh, it's it's like Slack and audio. Or it's our new company called Slaudio. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> Quick, register the domain. <laughs> yeah, I know. I somehow I don't think it's going to take off. Um, but but it was really fun. Like like everybody had fun, and you could listen to like five or six or seven mm. of these so quickly, and it, it's like a short burst of joy. And around the same time, I subscribed to this Sam Harris meditation app called Waking Up. Mm. Uh, I I love it. Uh, like it's just a really different way of thinking about consciousness and um, almost like a a much more sophisticated uh, i don't know approach to meditation mm. and he put out one of the most interesting features in a, in the last year and it's just this thing called moments that you have to opt into and you basically say like i uh, send me a, a like a one minute thing randomly at some point during the day and it's just like this little pearl of wisdom one minute and it's it's not even like you're you know you have to sit down for ten minutes or twenty minutes to meditate, but it may be in the middle of your day. You're like, oh, there's a nice little nugget, boop, and it's like a palate cleanser and something mm. to think about, or gives you pause to take a little mini reflection break. I like I love it, and I feel like there's a there's a role for that that is not mm. being met on on the broader scale out there. Yeah, possibility. I like that. A short burst of joy. Yeah. Yeah, we could, I, maybe, maybe it's just maybe it's just me right now. I think we could use more of that these days. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, I, I yeah. totally agree with you. And I like it's going to evolve, isn't it? It's going to meet in the middle because you've got like the clubhouses and all these sort of social audio. I think Discord will be very interesting when it starts like really gearing up in this space. Like you, this is all going to come together, and I think you know the spill off from that area of social audio is what we're talking about here. I don't think it will happen on Clubhouse. It's going to happen where people use it for more, you know, for different reasons. Yeah. rather than just sort of talking at people. I think it'd be more sort of communication and, and then community building, right? Well, isn't that interesting now that like in the last year, all these big platforms are like, oh, I guess we should pay attention to audio now. Yeah. And we've got Twitter, we've got Facebook, uh, LinkedIn's going to be doing stuff, Discord's doing stuff, Slack is doing mm. things coming out, obviously Clubhouse, Fireside, like it, there's a lot of, yeah, there's going to be a lot of audio. Hmm. And I think that even just the, the different types of platforms that are doing there and the number of people that are going to be using it will lead to a lot of experimentation in form and, and format. Absolutely. And new 
players in the space. You've been listening to The Age of Audio with me, Graham Brown, from the award-winning podcast agency Pickle & Co. To get access to all the audio conversations and book content for The Age of Audio, go to www.theageofaudio.com. One more time, theageofaudio.com. 